great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into Highmark Stadium on the heels of a Buffalo Bills victory. 24-18. They had to make it a little bit interesting, right? That's, that's the bit, right? We got to get into these these close games at the end, at end of games the last couple of weeks. I mean, one-score game Jags, one-score game Giants, one-score game Patriots. They had to make it a one-score game here, and it was really interesting at the end on the Hail Mary. We're going to get into... All of the performances on both sides of the ball. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, late night edition, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Are you ready for Slider Sunday, the next Bills game, Sunday night football, Bills and Bengals? Every time you visit slidersunday.com, you have a chance to win free products, brand swag, tailgating gear, trips, and much more. One chance per day, no purchase necessary. Ryan, I'm going to bring you into this show and where we have to start is the start of the game for the Buffalo Bills. They possessed the ball in the first half, one, two, three, four, five, six times, two touchdowns, a field goal, a turnover on downs, uh, an interception. All in all, though, getting the monkey off their back to a degree, scoring 17 points in that first half, a big switch. And a lot that went into it was, you know, up going up tempo. Josh Allen decided finally it's okay to run again. Yeah, things that we talked about, Matt, throughout this past week, throughout the past few weeks, letting Josh Allen run with the ball. And, you know, I, I guess the, the downside to it was what we saw. He got tripped up on one play, landed on his shoulder, had to go to the blue medical tent at one point. But for the most part, he was in control when he ran the ball. He was able to slide. He was av- uh, able to avoid contact. The up-tempo part of the offense, again, something we said, hey, they look really good in this two-minute drill. Why aren't they going more up-tempo? They come out in that. And, and it allows Allen to get up to the line early, get the ball off early. Uh, but before he even snaps the ball, he can kind of read the defense, see, uh, kind of scan the field. And it, it really allowed him to have you know, more than just an efficient game, but completing 31 of 40 passes in this win. Um, I want to get into some of the performances uh, on the offensive side. They're important. And, and I think each individual performance we have to get into and, and what it means moving forward with the trade deadline looming. But for Josh Allen as a whole in this game, first and foremost, it felt like he was actively trying to get the ball out of his hands quicker. Uh, I think there was a stat that NFL Next Gen Stats put out. Um, he, they put out two really good, inf- uh, interesting stats. One was that he was getting the ball out um super quick i think it's the lowest of the season 2.17 uh seconds and i think when he's operating in that space and looking like he said post game getting the ball in the hands of his receivers the offense looks more efficient it's moving doesn't look as hard i mean even sean mcdermott said after the game like it it didn't in this game it didn't like every play was an adventure and and i think that's a pretty big indictment of what it's been like how hard of a, a slog it's been for this bill's offense you know Mixing in the run early, having the design run for Josh Allen. Again, you don't have to lean into it at a heavy clip. 
He finished this game with seven carries for 41 yards. I thought you probably could have got away with even four, but they were a meaningful four, Ryan. And they came not only in the design run, they had one of those, but the the, the decisions that he made as a runner when, you know, there was there was good coverage on the second end. There were holes in the offensive line that he can run through his touchdown run, 13-yarder where he was basically untouched. You know, those kinds of decisions, being smart, with when you run and how you run, I think that that paid huge dividends tonight because through these first seven weeks, teams have been planning to play Josh Allen for the fact that he hasn't been running. This kind of flipped the script. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at the Dalton Kincaid touchdown reception. It was a play where he rolled out of the pocket. It looked like he might consider running at one point. And at that point, Tampa Bay had to kind of consider him as a potential runner and I think that helped in, in terms of the play design, getting it to uh, Kincaid, letting him kind of run it in for the easy score based on the separation that he created. So it goes back to what we said. If he can use his legs, become a weapon, uh, running the ball, defenses have to account for that. And that changes the way that they play him. It changes the way that they might have to come up on the ball when he's rolling out rather than just kind of sitting back saying, okay, he's going to roll out, but he's not really running this year. We're going to sit in our spots. We're going to wait for the ball to come out and make a play on the ball. Uh, they, they had to play him differently tonight based on the success that he had, and that paid off big time for the Bills. The number, thank you to Scott Moranto watching live, 2.27 seconds. Uh, the quickest time to throw uh, of jo- in a game in Josh Allen's career. And as a result, Next Gen Stats uh, said that Allen faced a career low 13% pressure rate, which is huge. I mean, coming off of what happened last week. Now, part of that was Vita Vea didn't play in this game. And mm-hmm. you could tell with the way that the Bills held up on their offensive line, that force was missing what Vea has been for them on the interior of their defense. Um, because of the way Josh played tonight, this is an additional piece of this, he recorded the fourth highest success rate at 57.8% on quick passes in a game this season by a quarterback in the NFL. So across the board with the the profile of Josh Allen's game, I thought was a huge hit with the way Ken Dorsey kind of dialed this thing up to get him into good spots, letting him run a little bit more, mixing in some up-tempo. And I feel like the big thing that stood out for me early in the game, Ryan, was the per, the um, the lean into 11 personnel, but then letting that grouping try to develop some momentum. And it was only a field goal on the first drive, but they moved the ball down the field. You got a couple big plays from Khalil Shakir, from Gabe Davis, and I felt like not turning over the personnel so much allowed that group in that moment to get some sustained success scored on the first drive. And they were fine. They found a way to kind of keep that going throughout most of the first half. Yeah. The 11 personnel looked uh, very efficient tonight. And, you know, at at the end of the day, they did only put up 24 points, but they they had a lot of successful drives and uh, they were kind of playing concerted conservative toward the end to kind of to chew up the clock and, and try to run the clock out on that game. But, when they were going up tempo, when they were in this this new per, not new personnel, but this personnel package that they were leaning into heavily with only one active, uh, true tight end in this roster, you saw the way he was able to spread the ball around. You saw the way they were able to pick up chunk plays, uh, continued drives. It's a very encouraging uh, performance by this Bills offense. Now getting this is, is what everyone's calling a mini buy, uh, getting ready for the Cincinnati Bengals next week on Sunday Night Football. Ryan. 
so we have these three performances tonight. Dalton Kincaid, who in his first, you know, big time solo performance at tight end, and it really was solo. He was basically the only active full-time tight end on the roster. You know, Reggie Gilliam could play a little tight end as well. And I actually asked Sean McDermott why Andy Isabella was elevated. And he said, because of the fact that they only had one tight end, it was an option to, okay, depending on how things went in the game, having a diversity of personnel, even if it was another receiver, gives them a, a bunch of different ways to uh, attack the team. Uh, the defense. They didn't end up needing Andy Isabella, but I think uh, my friend from ESPN, Elena Getzenberg, said 83% of the snaps um, for Dalton Kincaid today, which I think is a season high or it's around his season high, but I thought that he flourished in it. Um, the, the Khalil Shakir part, though, let's get into mm -hmm. that a little bit because I guess my big overarching question is, what does this do for you, this this game and Davis putting up a big game, Shakir and his potential role now for the trade deadline next week. And does this maybe take wide receiver out of the mix for you? It, it doesn't take it out of the mix for me. I, I think the Bills are should be looking to upgrade any position that uh, there's players available. I, I think it just kind of goes down the list a little bit in terms of biggest priority. Uh, I still think that linebacker is a huge issue for this team. Uh, I think that despite Christian Benford having an outstanding game, that cornerback uh, is right up there, and whether it's a starter or additional depth for this roster. Uh, but I, I think wide receiver, you, you still look to see who's out there, what the price tag is, can they help this team short term. But, you know, based on the performances tonight, and it's a one-game sample size, you have to feel really encouraged about that. Those three receivers, obviously Stefan Diggs uh, being the, the true number one that he's always performing well for this team, ended up with 70 yards, I believe, yes, uh, receiving in this win. But then the way they utilized Gabe Davis was so much different, Matt. Uh, getting it to him quickly underneath, letting him follow his blockers. You know, he's been that receiver that's been that downfield target, and I think that's hurt him at times. So getting him the ball in his hands and letting him go uh, get the yards after the catch was great for him. And then Khalil Shakir, this is now 10 targets between the last two weeks, and he's hauled in all 10 of them, made really big plays for this offense, looks comfortable, uh, looks like the player that was uh, that we were expecting maybe to take these big strides, training with Eric Moulds this summer, putting in that extra work, uh, not just as a, as a receiver, but also as a blocker. He's been their best blocking wide receiver. Now you're seeing that all-around game come out, and it's – it's certainly encouraging. So I would say it knocks wide receiver down the list, uh, but it doesn't take it off the list for me. Yeah, it doesn't take it off the list for me either, but I, I think that there's options in the wide receiver room where you look at, like, to your point, the linebacker room, and I still have a, a pretty big concern at defensive tackle. I think defensive tackle for me, there he is. Bernardo Dice is in the house. I got to have breakfast with my Brazilian brothers. Uh, Bills Mafia Brazil was uh, – uh, they took in the game last week against the Patriots, and then uh, Bernardo uh, and the boys. Uh, we, I took them out to uh, – we went. To, we were trying to go to camp, camp, Campfire Grill um, out in on Walden. We ended up going over to Alton's because it was too busy. Uh, still a great breakfast. Um, he's just on the fire McDermott trade. He's just not a fan of it. I, uh, he, of course, had to put that in the chat. I, I love Bernardo, man. It was great to see all you guys. I'm going to put a picture out on my Twitter account. Uh, it's really cool of um, 
uh, they, they, they gave me, they gave me a flag, a Brazilian flag with a Bills logo in the middle. We took a picture with it together, uh, after breakfast. It's always great to see those guys. Um, but Shakir to me, it's interesting because like he's dwarfing Deontay Hardy, which is hard to do by the way. Well, I guess it's not hard to do, but considering Khalil's considering Khalil Shakir's size, I think it is kind of hard to do. They're about the same size. Shakir a little bit bigger, but in terms of snap count, like, Khalil should, I mean, Deontay Hardy's an afterthought in this offense right now, based on the last couple of weeks. You know, he's had a couple plays here and there, but given a larger opportunity tonight, I feel like Khalil Shakir really took full advantage of it. And now moving forward, it almost feels like he's got the inside track to that number three wide receiver role. He's got a, a year extra in this offense compared to Sheerfield and Hardy. And what does this mean for this offense moving forward? Is this the kind of performance that makes you confident enough that let's be honest, if you go out and get a wide receiver at the deadline, you're probably going to want to shoot for a big game fish, right? Like a Deandre Hopkins, a Mike Evans, somewhere in that kind of thing. I don't even know if that money is possible. Uh, Not so much for Hopkins, but more so for Evans or somebody in that category, but they just have so many guys. And and I wonder if because they have so many guys that limits their, urge to want to go out and trade for a big big target to opposite uh, Stefan Diggs yeah and I, and I could see that completely and you know real quick on Deontay Hardy uh, he was outstanding in terms of the kick return punt return tonight sure. uh, I think 60 yards lost though on penalties the Bills have to clean that up it, they seemed like they were away from the play too and in terms of Hardy was already by those guys <laughs> and uh, making the plays so he was contributing in that regard he has made plays when put on the field. But yes, yeah, Shakir, in terms of the blocking ability, in terms of the knowledge of this offense, he is starting to gain significant separation uh, from Deontay Hardy. He's already kind of created that separation from Trent Sherfield. Uh, and it, it's paying off through two weeks. I, again, it's a small-ish sample size, but it's encouraging. So if the right deal comes along at the deadline, I think the bills are still... Uh, listening and and possibly going for it. But like you said as well, I think there's three spots on this defense, at least three spots, that might be bigger priority for them because of injuries, players they've lost, uh, and and just simply a need to kind of fill those gaps because if the defense plays at the level that it did early on this year, that equals more possessions for this offense. And the way that they're starting to kind of move this ball and utilize the players that they have, kind of uncracking uh, Kincaid in terms of his skill set the past two weeks. I, I think that they can win a lot of games if they can shore up that defense. You can tell it's uh 1.30 in the morning almost with both of us saying all kinds of different weird words. Uncracking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a new one. I like that. Uncrack, Mr. Kincaid. That's, that's, that's a good way to go. Speaking of uncracking, why don't you uncrack your two-week free trial to become a Shout Bills insider? Um 716-528-6727. That's 716-528-6727. Text that number. Get your two-week free trial. $399 a month after that. And the shout text line, as always, is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call. 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. Gabe Davis, boom or bust, every single time. It is hit or miss. 
When he is good, he is so good. And they were feeding him uh, tonight. He made a couple of really good catches. Uh, was kind of fighting uh, for a couple of them after the catch. He's not as much of a threat after the catch as I feel like even Hardy and, and um, Shakir have been. And uh, Super Chat here from Christopher Diamato, uh, where Gabe and Khalil showcased for trades tonight. I don't think so. Uh, again, I think this goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago and that this is a situation where they know what they can get out of these players at times. And, you know, this is an, an this is not an elite Tampa Bay defense, but they have a good front. They have a good secondary. They got some good linebackers. And I think this was a good performance, a good performance to build off of 427 total yards, 115 yards rushing. And I thought, you know, maybe they could have rushed the ball even more 14 for 67, 4.8 a carry for James Cook. Uh, only one target for Cook in the passing game. But I think a lot of the reason why he wasn't featured in the passing game is because look at 12 each targets for Diggs and Davis, six for Shakir, and then seven for Kincaid. It was a um, a night where the, the the receivers, the pass catchers, were really got heavily involved. Yeah, and, and I agree. Not uh, being showcased for a trade. Sean McDermott tonight said how steady Khalil Shakir has been. This team, this coaching staff, has praised Gabe Davis. I know he's in the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, I, I just think it was finding new ways to get them involved and get the ball in their hands. And uh, Matt, I think you'll enjoy this. Our friend Mark from uh, Wingnuts that uh, we we talked to before the season that said he wanted he, he predicted Khalil Shakir would not make the roster. Uh, he, you know he's been sending me DMs every week after games and after last week, still not believing in Shakir. After tonight's game, he said, "I'm putting the Shakir stuff to rest." for the foreseeable future. So uh, I think Khalil Shakir even made a believer out of Mark tonight. It's so funny because in the game, he's been so aggressive with it that um, he texted me this morning and said, Isabella's activated. Hopefully the Shakir nonsense is almost over. <laughs> and so after the first quarter, I just took a screenshot of this, of the receiver stats. Shakir's line was four targets, four receptions, 69 yards. And I said, that's just the first quarter. And he said, I'm putting it to rest. So he sent that to both of us. And I love it. Um, no, it, it, it's just a, a take that he's had. And listen, I, I think that there's a reason they believed in Shakir all this time. It, there's a reason why he's getting snaps over the guys that he, they went out and signed this offseason. He just seems to be a guy that he has a similar ability to Kincaid in that he has this where he catches the ball and doesn't need to like take any time to shift his body around. I almost feel like it's boom, catch the ball, he's upfield. And that's really helpful when you can add three or four extra yards to a lot of these receptions. I think Kincaid does it eight yards down the field a lot of times. That's really valuable to what they're trying to do. Absolutely. And the, the funny thing is about Shakir, uh, I think he has sneaky speed that people don't realize. He ran a 4-4-3 uh, at his pro day going into college. He has some he has some speed to his game, and he's shown that at times, catching the ball, going down the sidelines. We saw that first catch, or maybe it was the second catch tonight, but uh, made one guy miss, lowered his shoulder, and, and hit a defender and kept going after that too. So picking up some tough yards, making guys miss, using his speed, uh, there's more to his game than what meets the eye. Yeah, it's got a, I just retweeted it, the, the Kyle Brandt angry run symbol. Uh, Jordan Poyer and that entire group on the sideline was absolutely going wild celebrating that play. And that's the kind of thing that, like, 
that's it, it's more than just the play itself getting the big 20 plus yard gain it's about like what that does to energize your team especially for an offense that's been looking for a, a spark uh, i don't want to get too much into the offensive line because i'd like to go back and watch that a little bit josh allen very complimentary of the effort up front obviously much better than a week ago but we already mentioned no vita vea uh probably had a big uh, piece to do with that let's get to the defensive side of the ball here and in our immediate reactions and you know I mentioned defensive tackle is maybe an area that you know the Bills are gonna have to ask themselves some really honest questions Ed Oliver was phenomenal tonight mm -hmm. he has been phenomenal every time he's he stepped on the field this season uh, I was a little bit concerned about where he'd be at health wise but he didn't look to miss a beat um, he was out there he was he was in the backfield he was uh, part of tackles in the run game had another sack he's now on track even after missing the game his pace is 11 sacks on the season which would more than double his career high which he said as a rookie he's tied with it right now at five sacks Ed Oliver is so important Mina Kimes tweeted it during the game during the game we've been on this for months since the deal was signed in June that this was going to very quickly become a, a, a bargain that even the most um critical Bills fans are going to agree upon and say this was a brilliant move at the time they made it to, to ink Oliver to an extension. He is outplaying the contract. Like he said he would through uh, eight games. It's still only half a season. We'll put that to bed. Eli Anku on the Pratt squad doesn't get elevated tonight. He's probably just, you know, getting some time back and uh, settle. Puna Ford, Jordan Phillips were all able to go tonight. So they went with that four. I have serious concerns about those three, Ryan. Jordan Phillips had a couple moments today. Puna Ford and Tim Settle had a couple moments in the second half where I felt like they were getting comfortable and making some more plays. But man, were there times where, I don't know, it's just like Puna Ford at one time just getting absolutely erased from a play, ended up being like I think a 12 or 15-yard run. Uh, Settle uh, kind of out of position on a couple plays that I noticed. Again, I want to go back and, and watch it back, and maybe I'll have a bit different take. You were shaking your head. I think you got a different take already. Um, but I, I just... Knowing where they're at, if Ed Oliver were to miss time, I have big questions about that next three. Yeah, and that's just it, and that's what my take was. I thought that Puna Ford looked night and day better with Ed Oliver in the lineup than when he what he was doing last week without Ed Oliver. Uh, like you said, late in the game, I thought Puna Ford came on. There were some, definitely some problems early on. Uh, I thought they were giving up some running lanes early in this game when, when the Buccaneers were running the ball. Uh, I thought they were getting washed out. But <laughs> Ford came on strong late in the contest. Uh, so, some nice plays and run defense. Uh, quarterback hit on Baker Mayfield. Uh, made some really nice plays down the stretch for this team. Jordan Phillips, you know, it, it, it's so funny how football works because this was a nail-biter. This was a Hail Mary that realistically could have been caught by Chris Godwin had he uh, spotted the ball. But Jordan Phillips, he's holding on to Baker Mayfield. If he just holds on to him, they blow the whistle dead. The Bills win by probably 14 points. And we're talking about a completely different ball game here. So he made some nice plays. He had what should have been the game-ending sack. Uh, he didn't mean to pull on the face mask, obviously. It just happened. But those are the little things that happened there. But you're right. When Ed Oliver is not in this lineup, this defensive tackle position is completely different and not in a good way. So that's high on the priority list in terms of can you get someone where they're going to, one, upgrade this defensive tackle rotation, uh, two, someone that you also will have some peace of mind in the event 
that Ed Oliver were to miss time again this year. I don't think Tyrell Dotson can play against the Chiefs or the Bengals. I have a real concern about him in coverage against those two teams. And, you know, to this point, they haven't even played really any explosive offenses outside of Miami. Obviously, Matt Milano was healthy in that game. They still had Daquan Jones. It was a completely different defense. But we're talking about an offense that's trying to figure out a way to consistently score points. When they when they break through, I still believe this is an elite offense um, that is going to figure it out eventually long term. Uh, I think that tonight was the planting of some seeds that I think are there, there'll be some uh, some flowers that grow here over the is that the right thing do you plant yeah. seeds to grow flowers yeah. or do you yeah. plant seeds to grow like food both i mean there's, there's you need seeds, seeds to grow flowers. flowers come on take me back Where to science class here ryan from? i don't do you know think? dude you gotta sprinkle something down there is it the seeds <laughs> yes ah, okay you're right you're right you're right dude it's late man i am tired i am tired is it seeds all right yeah it's seeds I was waiting for a comment. Somebody help us out here. It, it, I, I look to you, Ryan. You're the teacher in this I, whole situation. And I was I'm not very abrupt guy. to tell you that, yes, this is not a science thing to say that you need seeds to grow flowers. Uh, you know, yes, you can buy flowers at, at different places, too, that are already kind of there and plant them. Bulbs and, bulbs. and seeds. And yeah, see, there you go. So you got to plant bulbs, there's more dude. Things. You can get the it's flowers. It's not seeds, bro. Oh it's bulbs. Word. You gotta oh put the bulbs in the dirt. Here. Dude, I'm exhausted. Uh, I'm <laughs> shot. So, like, let's just let's move on off the flower talk. Um, let's go to the cornerback position because this was the talk of the pregame as Kyer Elam inactive, potentially marking the end of his tenure in Buffalo. And what I mean by that is listen, can we get past next week's trade deadline and Kyer Elam still be on the Bills roster? For sure. Um, but I think the message that was sent today and the way that Sean McDermott answered this question after the game, it's just like, I don't know how they come back from this. Right. You have Josh Norman who actually comes out and provides a spark on special teams so much so that I know after the first two plays, the two first two kickoffs, he made such good plays and tackles that on the third and the fourth, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had fair catches. So kudos to that move. Josh Norman played pretty well. I don't know what it's going to look like if he has to actually play cornerback in a game, but I guess that's down the road. I think that you're, you're definitely up against, I know a lot of people have been saying on social media, like Kyrie Elam doesn't have any trade value. I think he still does. Oh, I think there's going to, I think there's a team that's going to see what he was coming out of college, former first round pick that four, uh, three, four, four, speed, four, three speed and say, okay, he's just in the wrong scheme. We'll get him in our system and it'll be different. So I think that there's definitely value there. And I think, you know, this was to me an admission that in a game like this, there would have been no problem going Kyer Elam in this game as a backup, right? Like against this offense. Like, I don't think you're overly scared. So to make this move and then to say, as Sean McDermott did after the game, that it was a decision based on giving the team the best chance to win without saying anything of like support of Elam. Right. It just feels like they're done with him. Yeah. And I'm going to push back on your, could he still be here after the deadline? I think it would be a mistake if he were, uh, because like you said, it's, it's over in their eyes. In my opinion, if you're, if you're activating from the practice squad, a 35 year old cornerback, and again, nice job on special teams tonight. 
over your first round pick from a year ago who you can't even get out there. He's a healthy scratch. That tells the entire story to me, Matt. And, you know, going back to the trade value talk, there's 100% trade value still for him because this is a player on a rookie contract. This is a player like, like you said, the <laughs> defenses that say we think he fits our scheme and we can get him uh, for, you know, pennies on the dollar, so to speak, or in a player for player swap. You know, I, I look at teams like the Denver Broncos, and, and I, I'm just throwing some teams out there. I am not sitting here knowing exactly what type of defenses these teams run, but okay, well, Josie Jewell's available. Do you want to sw- uh, swap Josie Jewell for Kyrie Elam? And maybe there's some picks and uh, pick on each side involved too. I don't know, but then that helps the Bills at linebacker. That might help uh, Denver in their defense. Then you have two really young cornerbacks in, in Sertain or Sertan and. Uh, Elam, or maybe it's the Raiders and Spillane, and and you're just you know there's going to be a team out there that said this is a guy on a rookie deal for a few more years, and if we can unlock what what a lot of people saw in him pre-draft, this is going to be a great trade for us, and we're giving up a guy with an expiring contract at position X, Y, or Z. So 100% still trade value there, whether or not Bills fans want to believe it. Because there are draft evaluators, talent evaluators out there that had had high grades on Kyrie Elam, and they sit there and say, "We can trade this player that's on expiring deal that wasn't going to be part of our long term plans, and we can get this guy in, get him into our system for a few years, and see if we can get him uh, to where we thought he would be coming into this league." Mike uh, in the YouTube comments is a staunch Elam supporter, and listen, like. I do think there's a level of culpability here on the Bills' end in how they've handled this player going back to his rookie season. You know in this league what it does to a first-round draft pick to bench them coming out for a six-round draft pick. I mean, you just you know. With a guy in Trey White that was out of the mix, working his way back, not going to be back for a, a while, to not give – Elam a chance to and like that's another thing Brandon Bean has said so many times that like guys in the locker room they know they know how you treat certain players how you give certain players different treatment who you decide to pay all these things players are smart they know they know how the game works if you're in the locker room and if you're a Kyrie Elam and you look over and you watch tape and you watch offensive tape and you're seeing Spencer Brown getting absolutely destroyed last year and wondering to yourself like what's the deal here This dude has no competition. He is given this endless amount of rope to go out there and make mistakes and learn and develop as he learns while he plays. And I'm stuck in this like, man, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't kind of situation where I wonder if Kyrie Elam ever felt like he had support. And who knows what's happened behind closed doors? I can't speak to that. I don't know. Nobody in the Bills organization talks that way to kind of give you that kind of insight into the personal side of it. Like, was it a cultural um not a cultural fit that might be a piece to it too um but to mike's point and this i do agree with him although he's he's been very direct and confrontational in the comments with some of his language uh i don't think dane jackson and christian benford look the same in a game against the tampa bay buccaneers that they will look in a game against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. And that is the concern. The drop, and I'm not saying that Elam somehow is this magic pill. I'm saying that it is a 
problem that the Bills haven't given themselves more options at that position. Like you look at how they've attacked DT over or defensive line over the years, especially on the edge. They've drafted guy after guy after guy. And it's like high draft picks. And right. it, it almost just feels like cornerbacks always been one where they waited and waited and they waited and they took one dart and they were aiming for the middle of the board and it missed and it missed badly. And now they're left with nothing else. And it's tough because, you know, you want to criticize the coaching staff maybe for not being able to develop this talent, this guy that has a really good pedigree, good bloodlines. But at the same time, this coaching staff developed Christian Benford and it developed Dane Jackson. And while I agree with you that, you know, the results against some of these high-flying offensive teams, I don't have as much faith in this one-two punch at cornerback. They have had some successes developing guys at the position. Not quite the same, but we've liked the development we've seen from Jamarcus Ingram. We've liked some of the development that we've seen from some of these younger players over over time. It just didn't click with Elam. And like you said, we don't know the exact answer. If I were to guess, Matt, it comes down to, to the fact that he seems to lean on his physicality, but it goes too far in games and it leads to penalties. And it was an issue during training camp his rookie year. It was an issue during training camp this year. Uh, when he's gotten onto the field at times this year, he was penalized for holding, for pass interference. That's just something that Sean McDermott doesn't tolerate. And I think that, to me, is what stands out. So going back to the trade deadline, as much as I'd like to see a linebacker added, uh, because I think that's also a big need, cornerback, to me, is the number one position to attack at the deadline if you can get a Dante Jackson, go out and get him from Carolina. Uh, Bears have a, a good cornerback or cornerbacks that might be uh, available. I'm all for that as well. See who's out there. Assess the market. Uh, Sertain is, is the pipe dream. I think that you would have to go with a huge trade package to get him. He might be worth it, but I don't see the Bills going that route. But get someone that fits your zone defense that's an upgrade over what you have now. And then you can slide Benford and Jackson to a, a rotation for cornerback, too. I think Benford uh, had a really nice game tonight. I'll go back and rewatch it again, but he really impressed me. Uh, maybe you have him there and Dane Jackson kind of is that uh, cornerback three. And then I feel a lot better about this group. Uh, there was no true replacement for Trey White, and I know Trey White had his own struggles uh, coming back from his injury, but they're missing a piece there, and that's the biggest piece. Because come playoff time, you're right. You have to be able to slow down some of these offenses. You have to be able to shut out some of the uh, big-name receivers. And I'm not sure the Bills can do that with who they currently have. All right. I'm looking at a very active uh, chat line here yeah. on the side. People are getting excited for the trade deadline. We will have a show for you next week. Uh, probably an early week show as we take uh, the next couple of days off. Uh, for the long weekend here, we're going to use this as the mini buy as well. Uh, we'll be back with Monday and then we'll do a Wednesday show as well. Reacting to um, any move that does happen. We'll have like an immediate uh, reaction if there's a big trade as well. Uh, we like doing those this time of year. Um, speaking of this time of year, start your slider Sunday winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season and earn rewards to re redeem for free product. Visit the Tops Deli section and look for the bright orange King's Hawaiian displays to scan the QR for a chance to instantly win tailgating prizes. And then visit topsmarkets.com slash slider Sunday for slider recipes. 
sure to impress. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. The Bills improved to 5-3 and three on the season. Josh Allen says that he wishes the Bills were 8-0, but you got to do what you got to do uh, this time of year. Uh, it's going to be an interesting stretch here. It gets hard now. Uh, the easy part of the schedule is over, Ryan, and we'll, we'll dive into uh, what's to come next, next week. All right, everybody, have a great night. Talk to you soon.